0: ridiculous night in the champions league you can hear it in the background this is incredible we can talk about Lionel messi of course as psg defeats manchester city but sheriff i shot the sheriff they won against real madrid at the burnabout what is happening lucho suarez with a late winner for atletico madrid we got this and so much more and this crew Tonight is packed. We got Jimmy Conrad in the house. Alison Bender making her debut for us. And Jonathan Johnson from Pug the Prince as well. As you can hear, he is in the stadium. And we got Christina Uncle coming later on as well. So much action to discuss. Diego Lasso begins right now everybody welcome to Lasso, our Champions League recap if you're watching this on YouTube thank you so much if you're listening on audio later on we appreciate you make sure that you leave a five-star rating and review youtube.com forward slash Lasso. by the way and we're on CBS Sports and your CBS Sports app before we really get into it because Alison Bender is her first show with us Ali welcome to the show by the way just a quick hello how are you
2: Hey guys, I'm well. Thank you. You know, it's really nice hearing the fans in the uh, in the Park de Prats. Normally, I'm the one in the stadium, but it's quite nice just chilling out in my house. You know, I'm warm, so we're all good.
0: Absolutely, it's great to be on the other side of that. Jimmy Conrad, how are you, brother?
1: I'm doing great, and I can't wait to hear from JJ. So can we just go to him as soon as possible? Because I'm excited. We are going Even to Josh.
0: JJ right now. Jonathan Johnson. I was going to save the best for last, but JJ, incredible. He's a Pug the Prince right now as PSG win 2 nothing against Manchester City. Lionel Messi, essentially, proverbially, from a methodology perspective, he arrives in Paris with that tremendous goal. JJ, talk to us. How, what's the feeling, the atmosphere right now as PSG beats uh, Man City 2-0? Uh,
3: incredible. I mean, you guys can probably hear it in the background right now. Plenty of celebrations between the players and fans. You know, it really feels like a take-off moment for PSG in their season. You know, they came flying out of the traps, goal by goal, early on in the first half through Adrisa Gay, City threatened at various points but then that moment of magic Messi finally getting off the mark for PSG but like I said it just really feels like that ignition moment in PSG's season so you know real party atmosphere right now especially when you look at the way that the results went as well in the group you know Club winning proving that it wasn't just a one-off against PSG they've now taken points from Leipzig uh, and Suddenly things are opening up for PSG and Group A, and they don't seem as bad as they did after that draw in Belgium. So, you know, everyone feeling pretty good about themselves in the French capital right now.
0: Jimmy,
1: I don't know if you wanted to ask a question, but I, 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 I wanted to... always have a lot of questions, yeah. So I'll, <laughs> I'll just pop in. I mean, the game would have changed, obviously, JJ, if Bernardo Silva had scored that tap-in. And City did have more possession, they had more shots. And in some ways, they had a little bit more control of the game, but... Messi finally found his way and got into it. Did you think that the addition of Verratti and Idrissa Gay, of course, scoring an absolute peach of a goal himself, proved to be the difference in this one? Obviously, the goal-wise, yes. But in terms of, like, just having the courage and confidence to do it, because we saw in the the first leg of the Champions League semifinal last time around that when they were up 1-0, they kind of took their foot off the gas and allowed City to get back into it. And I feel like they learned a valuable lesson, at least maybe stay on the front foot and, and try to attack
3: yeah absolutely i mean you guys know how i feel about marco Verratti when he plays for psg psg are a different beast when verati's on the pitch to when he's not on the pitch obviously he wasn't fully fit tonight but he still made a big big difference you know you look at the confidence that he plays with in front of the box in front of his own defense uh you know there, there's nobody else in psg's squad that can do what he does and sew things together as well as he does uh, and i think uh, you know we need to give a real big shout out to PSG's midfielders, not just for tonight, but the way that they played so far this season. Ander Herrera, unexpectedly prolific. Idrissa Gay, having the season of his life. I mean, when, when Gay signed for PSG, he had a very, very good performance early on against Real Madrid, also in the group stage of the Champions League. And sort of for the best part of the last two years, he's really been paying for that because people have been measuring him against that performance and saying that he constantly falls short of it. But this, since the beginning of this season, nobody has had that same criticism of the Gay. Every time he plays in a big match, he always delivers. And once again, uh, you know, made a key difference here, scoring the opening goal, uh, you know, and being really all action in the way that PSG needed him to be. And I think that you know the midfield, the way that Pochettino's got them playing this season, you know, suddenly starting to look dangerous and chipping in with goals and important moments. You know, that really does deserve credit because although. PSG are definitely a work in progress in terms of their identity. Having Verratti back full-time will obviously help with that. Uh, You know, I think that what Pochettino has done with the midfield, at least, uh, you know, definitely warrants credit. And I also want to give a shout-out to Gianluigi Donnarumma. Very assured on his Champions League day. He made some very important saves. uh, You know, and I think although it's harsh on Keylor Navas not to have him between the sticks, uh, you know, I also think that, uh, you know, Donnarumma didn't do himself... Uh, you
0: know, uh, a disservice with his performance. JJ, let me ask you this, um, just in case uh, nobody knew here, but I, I, it's a little off topic. But apparently they only sell Budweiser beer at the VIP lounge at Park the Prince. That's absolutely ridiculous. This is a ridiculous stadium, lots of money. You could have any beer around Europe. And apparently, thanks to our friend Jordan Gardner, who was telling us that he was right next to you, He's telling me there's only Budweiser at the VIP lounge. What is that about?
3: Yeah, I can confirm that those reports are true. <laughs> Due to a sponsorship agreement, it's Budweiser only. But the the mum the champagne was the, uh, the, the main target of our attention.
0: All right. Well, Alison, if you wanted to ask JJ a question before we said goodbye to him, anything regarding PSG, because obviously this was a major statement for the club and Lionel Messi as he scored yeah. that great goal.
2: Oh, what a goal as well. There's been a little bit of pressure on Messi, which seems ridiculous, doesn't it? But everyone's kind of wondering, you know, he didn't seem to be too happy with Pochettino mean he was subbed. Obviously, you know, players aren't. But I think there were a lot of eyes and attention on him. I just wonder what the, the atmosphere was like in the stadium when he scored that wo- worldie. I mean, it almost felt like slow motion because he had the ball. It was a great counter attack. He laid it off, didn't he, to Neymar. And it was just the perfect finish. But what was it like there?
3: Oh, it was fantastic, uh, you know, it, it was one of those moments that kind of went in slow motion. It was classic Messi, I mean, when you're looking at the replay, you're like, how many times have I seen Messi do this in his career? Pulls it off with the same brilliant finish every time, uh, you know, and, and Parc de Prince just erupted. You know, there was a feeling of relief, I think, to get that second goal, to know that they had done enough to, to, to secure the points, but also to know now that their, you know, their main summer signing, you know, the, the real headline act uh, has arrived in Paris. You're right in mentioning the, the the sort of frustration that Messi had towards Pochettino at the time, but also I think with himself because he knew deep down in that Leon game that he picked up a knock when he collided with Jerome Boateng, uh, you know. And I think there'll be a relief now for Messi to he'll finally feel like he's delivered uh, and he's going to start to be able to pay back the fans for the support they've shown and to hear them chanting Messi's name after the goal, you know. It's it's not something that every single player in the team gets, so you know to be reserved that kind of treatment. You know, is definitely, you know, denotes uh, that that star quality that Messi brings, and I think now, you know, it's a, a huge sigh of relief for Pochettino, for Messi, uh, you know, for all of the PSG players because they finally delivered that result that this season has needed. Because everybody can look at what they're doing in Ligue 1 and say, oh, you know, it's it, it's it's Ligue 1. They're they're expected to win every single game. Them having a hundred percent record at this point in time is not a surprise, but for them to now back that up and have beaten City and so, really taking control of the group stage with Messi playing a key role. You know, I think that that really changes the dynamic for their season heading into the months leading up to the Christmas break.
1: Now, JJ, we're going to see here with Messi that his goal is going to maybe outshine the performance overall, which in some ways he looked like a passenger out there. He wasn't having as much influence. And what I find interesting about the goal, as you mentioned, he picked up the ball out wide and he cut in from the right to the left and he looked to combine in the middle and got off a shot. And obviously he puts it top corner which was a special goal of course we saw that a lot at barcelona but i don't think the dna of psg is the same as the dna at barcelona and i still feel like he runs into the same spaces as mbappe and as neymar do you think now that he has scored they'll play a little bit more free and with with less pressure because he's gotten that out of the way and obviously doing it in a big moment against manchester city and his former manager pep guardiola or do you feel like there's still a lot of room for improvement in terms of how they figure out their spacing going forward That's a really good question and I think if you look back to the
3: way that PSG used to play a few years ago when they were almost trying to emulate Barcelona, that style would probably suit Messi more but it's not really a style that we can associate with Pochettino and I think now the real key issue for the next uh, couple of weeks and months is how Pochettino deals with finally having a full strength squad available to him. You know, How does he actually line PSG up? What formation does he go for? Does he go for a 4-2-3-1? Does he go for a 4-3-3? Or does he go for a 3-4-3-1 Sergio Ramos' fit? You know, there's all those questions sort of flying around. And I think that the most important thing about this result is it does take a bit of that pressure off because you're right. I don't think that Messi was fully involved in the game. Uh, I even remarked sort of around about the the 65th minute, 70th minute that it wouldn't surprise me to see him pull. And then obviously, you know, he goes and and pulls that, that bit of magic out of the hat. Uh, you know provides the winning goal and you know that's that's what psg bring in those star players to do didn't quite work out for mbappe or for neymar this evening but you know messi finally got the shot off scored the goal Uh, and that really now gives psg some momentum to build on i think it's really important that pochettino seizes on this because to me it seems like he's in a position of strength at the moment to really get this team to actually buy into what he wants them to do now which will be very important for them for the remainder of the season because it's one thing beating City in a group stage game when you could argue that it's maybe their second or third most important fixture in the in the week uh, and then you know beating them later on in the season in the business end of the competition.
0: 100%. Yeah well exactly that's what happened last time around when they met in the semi-finals, and of course we know what happened there but this is a tremendous tremendous result for psg against man city jonathan johnson thank you so much please don't drink anymore bud man i'm sure there's something out there as well that you can do but make sure that you get home safe we really appreciate you i'm sure the atmosphere is great uh but thank you so much and get home safe buddy thanks a lot guys and
3: as much as i'd love to be drinking budweiser all night i've got match reports to write it might improve them but
0: i'm going to be laying off it don't worry yeah, I was gonna say, don't tell me that you don't write this without you know if you anyway. I don't want to get you in trouble. <laughs> See you later, Jonathan josler Thank you so much, buddy. That's JJ yeah, Apac the Prince reporting PSG 2 nothing. By the way, we're gonna sub out JJ here and we're just gonna bring in the great, the only our official, our referee expert, Christina Uncle, who by the way makes her debut this year this season at Que Golazo. We're so excited. Uh, Christina, thank you so much for being here. First of all, how are you? What a ridiculous evening of fixtures. How's it going over there?
4: Uh, you know, you, we've, we've had better days. We've had better days. I think that might be the <laughs> nicest way to kind of say that. And it's uh, it's uh, it's been a bit surprising today on some of the performances. So hopefully we clean these up and we get them taken care of. But yeah, it, it wasn't a good day for the third team.
0: So the first one that we had for you, obviously, was about that PSG Man City game, just staying with that game. And obviously there was that challenge from uh, Kevin De Bruyne on Gueye, who, I mean, he could have really taken out his leg there. What did you make of it and the decision that, ha- that followed?
4: Yeah, uh, ultimately, I'm really surprised on um, the decision there by Spanish referee, Carlos Del Grande. Um, Carlos, Spanish referee, he would be considered the number two referee for Spain. He's been an elite referee. He's been a Champions League referee for several years, very high-profile games, as well as Europa League, uh, you know, semis, etc. And he had a great angle and a great position, right? So then the first thing I always look for is, what was the referee's position and could they have even seen it from where they're at? He's looking straight down at that. And I'm not sure necessarily why he would have missed this, because this is what we would call essentially a textbook red. We have what I call hope. Hope is never good for referees. When two players are lunging for the ball at the exact same time, hoping to get the ball, it always means that something's going to happen. So as a referee, you're already there feeling it, thinking that there's going to be something that's at least going to be yellow, if not red. He unfortunately gave a yellow here in this situation, but that's why we should have VAR, right? These are one of those decisions where, you know, I know that his teammate, Juan Muneta, is also another Spanish referee. They work together quite a lot in La Liga and it was something that really surprised me. I'm sitting here waiting for him to be checking his ear, VAR recommendation, overturn, we got a direct red card on this and Nothing with that in the check complete. This is definitely something both of them are gonna want back. Uh, it's a clear missed red. It's what we call a very big red. I mean, he's lunging into the ball. Anyone who makes an argument that he tipped the ball first is just essentially a Man City fan, because that's not the case here.
2: So <laughs> Yeah, I, I've got to agree with you. And it, I think it's the it's the consistency thing, isn't it? Because when you've got two games going on and you see Kessie get sent off for basically tapping a boot pretty much I mean it was it was nothing for me you can you know it's just so easy to compare those but a lot of people all over social media have been talking about Aaron Wan-Bissaka as well the fact that it was same referee uh, different decisions so it's like I don't know it's just we just want consistency don't we and, and it, when you've got games going on like I say at the same time then you can compare and it just makes it frustrating
4: Yeah. And I think that's, I think that's perfectly fair. I mean, the number one thing I always tell people is they want consistency, whether it's consistently bad or consistently good, as long as they're consistent, but here for champions league, we're demanding the best of the best, right. And the lead on that. And so that's a great comparison to the Cassidy one, because that one also, you know, is something that we would want not to be red. We don't want it to be that second yellow card, right? Did he get a little bit of the top of the boot, right? And we always talk about studs on top of the boot, et cetera. Yes. But when it's going to be that second yellow card and Once again, this is another elite referee um, for UEFA. This is Turkish referee Kunit Kanar um, has done Champions League finals. And I think that's a kind of a big thing to remember is that it doesn't in the referee world, very, very vicious, but it doesn't matter what your pass was. You're only as good as your last game. And that's essentially what's establishing. it. so we got two really established referees who've made the wrong decision, right? We can't even say that necessarily that second yellow card on Kessie would necessarily be supportable. You know, you'd be, Grasping at straws to may necessarily make that a second yellow. Cause just in that game, we want a second yellow to be teed up. Everyone, literally the referees' hands are tied, and everyone knows that it's definitely gonna be a second yellow, especially in that 28th, 29th minute, changes the entire style, the entire play of the game. That's something that's in consideration, right? And That's something obviously that you know affected the outcome of the game playing down a man.
1: Now I'm a little nervous because I'm Christina Uncle's number one fan. So asking her a question is is pretty <laughs> cool here on the Kegel Pod. Now, Christina with regard to these two referees and these two particular decisions with Kevin de bruyne it seemed like the referee took into consideration i could give him a red but that might take away from the pageantry of this game between two very decorated clubs with two you know littered with with top players from around the world and i want to know if that comes into the equation very similarly to the kessié play where the referee clearly looked like he knew he already had a yellow and was ready to give him that second yellow and red right away. He knew. Sometimes referees, you think, maybe forget who they gave yellows to. And, and then they maybe make a mistake there. But it seemed like he was so adamant to already give him that second yellow, throw him out of the game. So I, want, I guess I wanted to know from, from a layperson's perspective, do these thoughts go through the minds of the referees that, hey, if I make this decision this early in the game, it could really influence how this plays out? And we all kind of want to see this finish 11-11.
4: Yeah, and consciously, right, we're just supposed to be officiating and refereeing that moment, that time, and that snapshot subconsciously, and even sometimes maybe for some people but from the forefront of their mind, we're saying, how do we keep all 11 players on the field? It is. It's a huge pageantry game. This is a really, really big assignment uh, for Carlos De Grande. It's, it's not a small assignment. It's a big assignment. You know, we've had a change of referees in Champions League from some major retirements, right? Him trying to once again establish himself as one of the top referees and, you know, make his case uh, throughout this season, uh, so that could have gone through the back of his mind. Um, there was a bit of hesitation, which was a little bit surprising for me. But I think that goes into knowing the type of re- knowing the referee and knowing their history on that, and for him basically being able to have to. Focus on protecting himself from having that second thought of maybe potentially, you know, would, do I want to keep all 22 on the field? Um, like I said, I think this is just a lost opportunity because the VAR here, and that's, you know, maybe what he was hoping. Hey, if I give a yellow because I'm not 100%, right? We're not giving reds mm-hmm. unless we're 100%. Like you said, Janet Kuchar, he was 100% incredibly confident. I got a second. I got a second yellow. I got a red card got to give him credit there for him essentially saying, you know, I have a confidence level here. Eh, Maybe not the best one, but he was confident. You know, I think maybe he was hoping that, you know, VAR might've saved him if he got it wrong. And unfortunately, you know, the man in the booth kind of let him down on that one too.
0: Well, there's Miguel Dominguez commenting. Uh, Thank you so much for watching, by the way. 100% agree. Getting the ball first does not excuse a tackle that can make a leg break like dry spaghetti. Why'd you put that in my head, Miguel? I didn't (laughs) think about that. But anyway, that was Christina Uncle, our referee expert. Christina, thank you so much. Let's hope that Wednesday is a little bit better and uh, at least you come feeling a little bit better uh, from from all the referees in the Champions League. Thanks, all. Thanks, Christina. That was Christina. Uncle, make sure that you follow her as well on CBS Sports HQ. All right. And now let's talk business. Let's talk about the games before we move on, by the way, because it's Allison's debut uh, here. And before we take uh, a little talk here about AC Milan and Atletico Madrid, I did want to ask Allison. Allison, did you have somebody? I mean, you know, you you obviously report on Chelsea heavily. You were there this past weekend. So you saw Man City play uh, and win and didn't even allow Chelsea a shot on target. Were you surprised by how PSG played today? Did they maybe take a look at that tape from the Chelsea game uh, and exploit a few things? Because, you know, Man City were very good defensively against Chelsea. I guess uh, it didn't seem that as much today.
2: Yeah, I'm glad you asked about that, actually, because it's an interesting one. I I actually be really curious to hear what Pep Guardiola had to say after that game, because, um, you know... Manchester City certainly had their chances this evening. Man City were excellent against Chelsea. They had a game plan. Every single player executed it perfectly. There were performances all over. I mean, you saw Phil Foden on Jorginho keeping him quiet. Cancelo was excellent. Diaz, I mean, to be honest, performances throughout the whole sport. And you need everyone to be kind of on their game. They forced play Chelsea to play really deep. I was there watching. I was like literally two metres behind Thomas Tuchel, and I was fascinated. I would have loved to have just spent an evening just just watching him, to be honest. But you could see his frustration. He was desperate for Chelsea to get further up the pitch, but they just couldn't play their game. They kind of played a bit of a 3-5-2 with basically Werner and Lukaku. And I, I thought it was really good. It was actually one of those games where... Um, you know, I was kind of like, OK, most of the fans are quite happy about this formation. But Chelsea, for whatever reason, we weren't on our game. Um, I think this one was really interesting because a lot of focus was on the front three. And I, and it's really good, as Jimmy was saying, how impressive the midfielders were actually for PSG. Because, yeah. you know, you're, you're, you're kind of looking at those front three and thinking they're going to make a difference. And, you know, you've got Miss um, Hakimi, isn't it, on right wing, like bombing down the down the flanks as well and really kind of getting into the game. So I just think... I think it was a really it was a, it was a fascinating battle, but I don't think that it, I would be feeling too negative if I was Pep Guardiola. We know they've got a big week, but I wouldn't come away from that thinking they had a terrible game. And obviously, that moment of magic from Messi, absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, very very difficult to get back after that. But I think that, that you know it could have been very different had Man City put a couple of their chances away for sure.
1: Yeah, I agree with Allison with regard to that. If Bernardo Silva scores that tap-in, and honestly he yeah. should in the 26th, 27th minute, I think we're talking about a different result. And to Allison's point as well, sometimes you just have to take into account that Messi's going to score a banger in the top yeah. corner, and that's just how the world works, uh, especially the world that we live <laughs> in. So yeah. so you take that on the consideration. And, and with regard to the Chelsea-Man City match, I thought the one thing that held Chelsea back was that they didn't have a player in their midfield. They had Kovacic, Conte, and Jorginho that aren't really the proper transition players that they're used to. Sometimes they have Mason Mount or Havertz yeah. or Ziyech or Pulisic or somebody in that spot that looks to break the lines with their running with the ball. And I think yeah. that Chelsea missed out on that. to Thomas Tuchel's great uh, consternation, I think, is the right word I'm looking for. So, <laughs> so, so, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. I thought Man City. It's a real fine margin, right, between uh, playing at the highest levels between success and failure. And, totally. and uh, PSG I'm glad did just you I that up right? about
2: Mason Mount actually, because a lot of people are like oh, Mason Mount, you know, he's a bit off his game at the moment. I don't think it's such a bad loss. But I think that was, you know, they looked so isolated, didn't they, the front Mm -hmm, two? mm -hmm, And I think mm -hmm. when you've got a player like Mason Mount that has that kind of link-up play, Mm -hmm. um, but it'd be very interesting. I'm sure we'll get onto it later. But the fact that N'Golo Kante, we're finding out that he's got coronavirus now. So maybe a situation for Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I don't know if you agree, guys, but I thought that when Ruben Loftus-Cheek came on, it definitely gave Chelsea something a little bit different. Mm -hmm. 100%. about it and and I said you know what are your plans for him and I always find it interesting trying to read between the lines and hear what the manager's trying to say and he basically said he decides was his answer he decides (laughs) what his plans are for this season so it's kind of like it was almost telling me like you haven't impressed me enough just yet but this could be an opportunity against Juventus for him to to impress.
0: Absolutely, and we're going to end the episode with uh, asking just a quick preview of that game as Juventus face Chelsea, of course, but let's stay on tonight for a second and let's move to um, AC Milan and Atletico Madrid. A lot of things were going on. To be honest, it seemed, Jimmy, a little unfair on AC Milan. I can't believe Atleti won this one, Uh, but they do win it, 2-1. Luis Suarez ends his 25-goal drought on the road in the Champions League, and of course we discussed Kessie because that was a major factor as well. I mean, listen, like... Who was it, Llorente that was fouled? He absolutely sold that so well. Like an Oscar performance. And then the referee bit, and he gave him the second yellow. But what are your thoughts on uh, on Milan Atleti? Let's not stay too long on this one. No, sure. sure I,
1: I just say the first 30 minutes, it looked like one team was out there to play, and the other one was trying to disrupt, which is no big surprise. Milan were up 1-0. Then Kessier gets his second yellow in the first 30, and he's out. And that's obviously going to change the complexion of the game. Automatically, Ante Rebic comes out, and so you have Sandra Tonali comes in. So they're already 60 minutes left making subs that are going to be more defensive. And now they're just holding on. I thought a draw was a fair result. Fair play to Antoine Griezmann for coming in and being a super sub and scoring a goal. He needed that. The club needed it. And I thought the, the penalty was a bit harsh. We didn't end up asking Christina about that. But the referee could have called it otherwise. And And same with that second yellow. He didn't have to make the call, but he did and sometimes they follow the rule book a little bit too literally in my humble opinion but great result for Atleti obviously drawing the first match day at home to Porto they needed those points it's almost like they flip-flopped what they needed to do which was beat Porto at home and then you know get a draw away from home in Milan but uh, four points after two games in the group of death is pretty impressive for them and Milan's got to be kicking themselves because now they've they've got to feel like they've given away a few points because they did have a 2-1 lead at Anfield at halftime of that game and ended up losing 3-2 so They dropped a lot of points here and we'll see how they fight their way out of it.
0: We will indeed. Ali, very quick, were you surprised that Giroud left to to Milan from Chelsea? They got to Chelsea there. Fikai Tomori there as well. Uh, Were you surprised that Giroud went to Milan?
2: I mean, I was, to be honest. But then, you know, it all kind of ended well. We we got Lukaku. It was we always needed that clinical striker that was going to score 20, 30 goals a season. Giroud was I think I think Chelsea played it very clever with Giroud, to be honest, extending his contract, you know, when COVID hit, having another year with him. And I always think that he was that that kind of reliable striker that we knew we could kind of bring in when we needed him. And obviously, with Werner struggling as much as he was. And to be honest, I think Werner's still struggling. I mean, Tuchel has given him so many opportunities. I kind of thought that having Lukaku there might take a little bit of pressure off him. He's still, you know, constantly living offside. It's a real problem for him. He doesn't look like he's confident, to be honest. I hope that things get better for him. Um, But thank goodness we have Lukaku, to be honest. He was the missing piece of the jigsaw for Chelsea, I think.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, Wazul, is it Wazul? Wazel, Wazelford is the last minute penalty decision was just, wow. Yes. I think Jimmy agreed as well. Well, we both said
1: uh, a draw, you know, I wanted the draw. There's always when I, you know, advise people on what, you know, how they should bet or how they should look at this game. The draw was all set up and then the referee decided to make it about him and give it. <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter, everybody. I'm not bitter.
0: Make it about me, everybody. And that exactly is what happened. All right. Well, listen, we're going to take a a quick break. Uh, If you're watching this live, that literally just means uh, a millisecond of a break. And then we come right back. If you're listening on audio, it's an actual break. But we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll quickly go through the rest of the games, by the way. And then I want a little bit more insight on this Juventus-Chelsea game for Wednesday from Allison. But we'll be right back. Que lasso, Champions League. Recap Tuesday. We'll be right back. everybody i told you it was a millisecond if you're watching this live because we are back alison bender and of course jimmy conrad all right some other games here porto we thought well they're undefeated they're doing their thing in portugal and my goodness liverpool take care of business uh first time that salah mané fermino score in the same game since december as part of that seven nothing win over Crystal Palace sorry Palace fans I had to bring that up <laughs> once again but Liverpool take care of business and honestly I I know how good Liverpool were but Porto I thought would give a little bit more Jimmy Conrad how would you see this one uh,
1: I guess I wasn't too surprised we talked about it in the preview that they were most likely going to be out with uh, without their two starting center backs and Pepe who was hurt which yeah, I true. thought was was very seen and then Chancel and Bemba who was excellent especially in last year in the Champions League to help them get to the knockout rounds Having your two starting center backs come out and then when your goalkeeper starts making errors, not going to help. And and I actually, we said this before as well, Jurgen Klopp did challenge his, his team to kind of clean it up on the defensive side of the ball. You knew they were going to come out and have some type of response. They're not in that stretch of the season where they're having trouble scoring goals right now, and I think that was evident today. It was more, can they just clean it up on the backside of it and, and just keep everything predictable? They still gave up a goal, so there's still some vulnerabilities there, but they did more than enough, and I just... Not that I was surprised that Porto put up a bad performance, but just Portuguese teams in particular. I mean, sporting got beat pretty handily by Ajax on match day one at home as well. You're like, what? Same result. Usually Portuguese teams are pretty good in European competitions, and for whatever reason, they're not starting off too hot right now.
2: Yeah, i got to agree. Sorry, go on, Luis.
1: No, no, no. I was literally going to go to you and, and talk I about mean, Liverpool, really.
2: I mean, Jimmy summed that up perfectly because I think I think Liverpool felt a little bit wounded because you know the whole thing about Virgil van Dijk is back and suddenly their defence are going to be booming. And, you know, obviously drawing three all in that Brentford game, they, they would have been disappointed. And I think it really showed this evening. But like, you know, as you say, those, goal, those two goalkeeping errors. I mean, the first one I thought was pretty shocking. I watched it back a few times. I was like, mm-hmm, okay, maybe mm-hmm. he thinks, maybe he thinks the defender's going to clear it. I don't know. Maybe he thinks his office Side, but either way, you should play to the whistle. Yeah. But the second one, he's like, you know, he's in is in no man's land, and it was just, yeah. and it was funny because it was about that period where I think Messi had just scored his goal, and I was just sort of, sort of looking at the, the wonder and the brilliance of that, and watching it over and over again, and then I flicked over only to see that it was like five one suddenly. <laughs> um, but absolutely, I mean, Liverpool can do this. They've they've had that kind of a season, haven't they? They can they can score so many goals from all over, which is why, by the way, the title race is still so exciting. Mm. But it was good to see them kind of a bit more solid like we see in defence because that's yeah. I mean that's the Liverpool we're used to. And Trent Alexander Arnold, it's got to be pointed out, was missing as well. Milner playing there, but only one change in a really big week. So I think that's you know, it's pretty it's pretty impressive that you can put out pretty much the same team from after a, a you know a crazy game in the Premier League just before.
0: Absolutely. I've talked to Jimmy about this before, so I know his answer and I know which way he's going. <laughs> this, but I was just wondering with you, Ali, like what, how far do you see Liverpool going this season, both in the Premier League and the Champions League?
2: I mean, I think I've said from the beginning of the season, pretty much, I think it's a four way title race with Chelsea, City, um, Liverpool and Manchester United. Although there's been, a, you know, there's been games that have kind of made it sort of swing around a little bit, but I think that's going to be your top four. I cannot tell you which order, but I hope Chelsea, of course, are top. I have a funny feeling that Manchester City will do really well in the Champions League, and we've been saying this season after season after season, but the thing about the Champions League is it always happens, doesn't it? You need a little bit of luck as well, and you need to go one step further than the time before, and obviously they reached a final, they're doing really well, they've got strength in depth. For me, there's no reason why Manchester City can't win the Champions League, but also, you know, Paris Saint-Germain, as we've just seen tonight, um, and Liverpool, again, you know, You know, we've seen them recently. So, um, yeah, it's a tough one. But I, I think that Liverpool can have a really good season, to be honest.
0: Well, Liverpool two wins from two. And guess who also has two wins from two? I shot the sheriff. Oh, yeah. Sheriff. Unbelievable. The Moldovan dream continues. This is ridiculous. The first win. Okay, you get it at home. Pretty impressive. Then you go to the Bernabeu and you beat Real Madrid 2-1. Of course, I'm happy. Peruvian center back Gustavo Dolanto going absolutely insane at the end. But this is a tremendous, tremendous story. I thought a draw would be amazing, Jimmy, but a victory against the most successful club in Champions League history, against Kareem Benzema, Hazard, Vinicius Jr. Is this the biggest shock result in group stage history? Honestly, that's the question I have for you.
1: Uh, For all you American sports fans that are listening, I liken it to the number 16 seed in March Madness, beating the number one seed. It just shouldn't happen ever at any point, especially with Real Madrid at the Bernabeu. Like, it just how how is that even possible and even when the game was going on let's say minute 24 okay this is a minute before sheriff score their first goal sheriff have no shots on goal no shots at all they have like 17 percent possession and somehow they play up back and through get the ball wide whip a good ball into the box and the guy gets some back post cheddar and heads it in you're like okay all right well sheriff's here to play now ultimately i think that There were some wasted opportunities from Real Madrid. When the game was 1-1, that's when they need to put it away. Sure, you give give away a good goal. Okay, you you tip your hat and say, well played, Sheriff. And then you got to kick it into that gear, that world-class gear that you have, and that Sheriff doesn't have. But what what Sheriff does probably have in spades, and we saw it today, and we we can maybe liken it to Brentford versus Liverpool, those types of teams are going to fight and scrap and compete for every single thing. And if you're not up to match that, and then at some point have to surpass it, if you do go down a goal... It's going to be a long, long game for you. So fair play to share, plus 2,800 for them to win that game straight up. Oh, Oh my my God. Somebody made hearing, some cheddar. Somebody made some cheddar. Listen, from hour. what wow. I'm hearing, some some of our friends over uh, in in, the, in HQ uh, actually just as a joke bet on <laughs> Sheriff to win and ac- hit the 2800. Seriously. Oh, no I joke, mean, no that joke.
2: That's to be the biggest shock in group stage history. And can you imagine how wounded Real Madrid are going to feel? I I can't wait to see what they've, you know, the front pages of Ass and Marker and and all the Madrid press because Miringuito, Ali, what's going to be? This is the bird about and it's supposed to be intimidating and like you know to have that kind of heart and that spirit to actually believe that you can go and do that I mean those players are going to be pinching themselves I mean I'd love to see the combined um you know the, the kind of the salaries like in comparison right. and, you know just everything that you it's just it's just incredible and they've got to be so proud of themselves but Real Madrid will feel so wounded after that one
0: in, unbelievable. Uh, they sit above 13-time champs, Real Madrid handling into match day two, two wins from two. It's just incredible. I mean, listen, um, there's nothing much more to say about this outside of the fact that it's, to be honest, I, I, I don't know, Jimmy. It's- well, no,
1: I was just going to step in and say that Inter Milan, I think, are the biggest losers here because they had an opportunity, because they're in the same group, yeah. to go to go to Ukraine, go to Shakhtar Donetsk and get a result. A Shakhtar team that lost a share of 2-0, so you're already thinking, how good is this Shakhtar team really now that we see Sheriff beat Madrid? Maybe you're thinking otherwise. But for them to get another 0-0 draw feels like a missed opportunity, especially because they lost at home in the dying embers of their game against Madrid in match day one. So I worry about Inter Milan now, but they did this last year. And Real Madrid did it last year too, where they they dropped a, that home game 3-2 to Shakhtar Donetsk. They they didn't get really any points out of the first two games. I don't remember. They didn't go on to win the group. So So I'm not too worried about Madrid. They'll find their way. But Inter Milan makes me nervous, especially with Sheriff having six. They're going to have to play each other in the next uh, back-to-back match days. So I guess that will determine... Ultimately, if Sheriff can make it through to the knockout rounds, which was just being wow. next level, that by would the be way, next level. I think
2: the only thing that really makes me sad, I guess, is because I mean, having worked in La Liga, for those people that don't know, I worked, I went and set up Real Madrid TV back in two thousand and five. What a blast I had! That you know, Galactico era when obviously Zidane was playing as well. We had Roberto Carlos and Beckham and Owen and all those players. Incredible, um, and it was just incredible. And, and by the way, any kind of defeat that that we would experience at the time, you know, it would be felt. Around the city for for days after so I know exactly what they're going through right now but what I was going to say is I just think that like there's a real PR problem right now both for Real Madrid and for Barcelona who are you know when the Champions League anthem when I hear that anthem those are two of the clubs I immediately think about you know Mm. and it's just obviously because Real Madrid 13 times winners you know we kind of like we see that trophy as ours to be honest with you so um, it'll just be really interesting to see how things turn around you know over the course of the match days in the group stage.
0: And I tell you what, a Classico is coming up, so it's going to be interesting to see what kind of importance that has uh, overall as well. All right, let's keep uh, rolling here because we know that a few, well, first of all, it's late for Ali Bender over there. And (laughs) Jimmy Conrad (laughs) has some, obviously, some other HQ issues to deal with, so we're just going to keep on rolling here. But uh, Ajax, my God. First of all, you want to improve a player? Send them to Ajax. Send them to Eric Ten Hag. Sebastian Haller, who really was not doing much for West Ham, comes to Ajax. Incredible. Five goals in the Champions League already. They win again. Ajax beat Besiktas, of course. Five goals in uh, the first two Champions League appearances for Haller, as I mentioned. But I just keep on rolling. And also Dortmund and Sporting as well. Uh, Bellingham, by the way, at 18 years old and 91 days, becomes the youngest player to make 10 Champions League starts as well we already mentioned Shakhtar and Inter, but anything from ajax besiktas or dortmund and sporting there jimmy
1: well i would say shout out to ajax they played some that a style that we identify with them they're spacing how how they create opportunities uh dusan Tadic, the captain for them he missed a sitter should have been three zero to be honest but look at uh, who he
0: sits there with by the way look he's so he good and Seb- right
1: sebastian holler i mean Unbelievable for him to, to score five goals in his first two Champions League appearances. I thought that uh, Stephen Burkhouse was also very good, had a goal and assist in this one. This is a very good team. And I'm still surprised that Ajax lost to Roma last season in the Europa League semifinals. I, I still can't believe it, just given how, how much quality. But 70% possession today, 22 shots to their four. Really in complete control. I like this Ajax team a lot. And I can't wait for Ajax-Dortmund over the next two match days, both home and away. Dortmund really quick without Erling Holland's. Got a great performance from Daniel Molland. He scored the, the the winner in this one. Yeah. And that's a good thing. Not only for, for Mollen himself to, to get a meaningful goal for, for his new club after playing for PSV Eindhoven last season, but just so Dortmund knows they can count on somebody else besides Erling Holland up top to score goals. And I think if they're going to make a deep run in any competition they're competing in, they're going to need contributions from Erling Holland and a host of other players, specifically Daniel Molland.
0: Yeah. Ali, anything on Ajax? Do you watch them a lot? I mean, listen, Haller obviously playing at West Ham. Uh, he didn't do that much, but coming over to Ajax, who we know that had that fairy tale journey, right? Until they lost to Tottenham as well in that specific Champions League tournament. But they're a ridiculous team. I was very surprised, by the way, that Eric Ten Hag wasn't more aggressively pursued in the summer. I know that he has a good relationship with Ajax, but one of the managers, uh, one of the best managers in the world, not just Europe, I think, Ali.
2: Yeah, no, one of the top, top managers. And as you said, I mean, Sebastian Haller, it's actually, it's interesting to see West Ham doing so well, by the way, and credit yeah. to David Moyes. Speaking about managers, David Moyes is very much on the up at the moment. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, he's had such a roller coaster ride in and how he's perceived in his PR, because obviously when he was Everton manager, he was like right up here and then crashing back down when he was Manchester United manager. And he's doing a phenomenal job. I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, you know, if West Ham have a very, very good run. Um, but yeah, Ajax, I think they're, they play some really beautiful football and, and, you know, as we've seen, you know, having a great time at the moment. Didn't watch that game this evening, so I can't add too much on it. But You yeah. didn't miss
0: much, Ali. It was basically <laughs> around 80% possession for Ajax in the first oh, half. It. And they did not slow down. So good. They were so yeah, good. It, it was ridiculous. Really? And Borussia Dortmund, uh, as Jimmy said, without Erling Haaland, by without the way, Halland, yeah. uh, how, how much do you rate Erling Haaland? I mean, it's a stupid question, right, Ali? <laughs>
2: Well, to be honest, I mean, I was still in mourning for a really long time until Lukaku was finally sealed because <laughs> I really thought we were going to get Haaland. To be honest with you, and and would you yeah, have rather we have Haaland
0: over Lukaku, Ali?
2: No, actually, do you know what? It's funny you should say that. Of course, I would have said that in the beginning, and then as soon as Lukaku came, I actually changed my mind on it because I thought. When a player comes to the Premier League, they always talk about how physical it is, how different it is to play in. And Haaland, as, as wonderful as he is, and I'm sure he would have hit the ground running, to be honest with you, but there's just that little bit of the unknown, okay? But with Lukaku, there was no unknown there. There was a point to prove. Um, I just think his, his incredible physicality as well, the fact that he knows so many people at the club, I just feel that there was it was just the perfect fit at the perfect time. And with Haaland, I mean, I'm sure there might be a situation where he comes to the Premier League and he might even come to Chelsea one day and then we'll see at the moment nobody can know but there was always that little seed of doubt and so it kind of like was reassuring for me um I think by the way Lukaku is going to have a phenomenal season I said it before he'd even started banging in the goals but you just see his body language it's like watching Cristiano Ronaldo I'm really lucky I've had I've got so far to watch him live in two games so I've been at two Manchester United games so far Ronaldo and he's just sharp focused the whole time and I'm not saying that Lukaku is on the same level as Ronaldo at all but what I'm saying is that he's got that same kind of hunger Mm -hmm. 100%. desire that you see so it's really good to watch
0: him play. absolutely i tell you what ronaldo didn't do this past weekend though score up against the greatest uh, club in the history of the game aston villa i need to find
2: out why you support villa maybe we don't have time uh, on this that, show, but sometimes. that's a long
0: story but you can read it it's my pin tweet yeah you'll find okay. i'll bore you with it oh, as yeah. I support jimmy with it but this is the final
2: what about sorry but what did you make of grealish tonight you <laughs> oh want my days, god so
1: okay. we don't ali we don't have enough time he's gonna get sad <laughs> on us and we're gonna need alcohol or something Something to like ease the
0: pain. I'm going to need JJ to send me some Budweiser if you want me to go down that road as well. No, but uh, let's talk about that last game today, by the way, as Leipzig uh, lost to club. Unbelievable, Jimmy Conrad. Give me your thoughts on that one.
1: Well, I'm excited for Christopher and Kunku because the guy's absolutely crushing it. Scored another goal. Scored in the first five minutes of the game. And it seemed like, okay, they're building off their big 6-0 win against Hertha Berlin this past weekend. Obviously, Nkunku had a hat trick against Man City in match day one. So he's in fine form, as they like to say. However, they gave up two goals before halftime to go down 2-1. I thought, man, this is going to be a barn burner. One of my tips that I was looking at was over three and a half goals in this one because both of these teams like to score. And it ended 2-1, so I didn't hit that, and I'm sad about that. That said, let's leave all that out of it. I'm worried for Jesse Marsh. The American manager at RB Leipzig, even though he has been a a Red Bull rat for the last six or seven years of his life with New York Red Bulls and then as an assistant under Nagelsmann at RB Leipzig before going to RB Salzburg for a couple seasons and doing well there and now back at Leipzig as the head guy. Results still matter. Loyalty can only last so long until your team doesn't win, and it makes me very nervous for Jesse March. Now, I guess from a U.S. men's national team perspective, for all those people that don't like Burhalter. Maybe this is going to open up the job for Jesse Marsh to be available after the 2022 World Cup and Jesse Marsh can lead us to the glory land in 2026. Allie, I'm going to just stay here and state that we're going to win our first World Cup before England wins their second, okay? This, is what, this is what we deal with, Ali, every single do. time. Every yeah. time, this every time. time. Uh, no, always, uh, my flag in the ground, we got we to gotta indoctrinate uh, like Ali as soon as possible. But, uh, anytime, anytime. But, but there is something I think RB Leipzig is lacking. And I know they missed out on their two center backs. They both got sold. Kanate to Liverpool and it put Mikado to Bayern and Sibitza mm. went to Bayern as well. And they're missing some players in the spine of their team. Andre Silva hasn't really panned out up top and that's been hurtful for them because he scored 28 and 32 games last year in the Bundesliga but there's still something that they're missing and that makes me nervous for Jesse Marsh because if they can't figure it out it, it could be curtains for him pretty soon
0: So, Jimmy, uh, you have to leave soon. uh, I want to ask just your final thoughts uh, before we move on. And then it's just me and Ali. So I ask her about Chelsea and Juve. But give me your final thoughts, perhaps something about tomorrow's games, anything from tonight. What's your final thought before you say goodbye, my friend?
1: Well, it's been an absolute honor to spend time not only with you, Elamie, but Alison Bender. I've been wanting to work with her. I've been a big fan for many years. So it's a big thrill for me. Now, I'll say that. I'll start there. And second, I am looking forward to tomorrow. Manchester United versus Villarreal. Uh, a repeat of the Europa League final is going to be exciting. Juventus, this new, I don't know what kind of version of Juventus. We still undecided on what they're going to look like against Chelsea and how Chelsea responds to this Man City loss this past weekend. will be very interesting on a lot of different fronts. So I'm excited about those two matches in particular. And of course, spending time with the great Ali Bender. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate Hello. you.
0: Jimmy Conrad see always see killing it. it. Yes. And Jimmy, by the way, will return as well for the weekend preview because there's some big games as well. Thank you, Jimmy. And now it's just me and you, Ali Bender, as we say <laughs> goodbye and we wrap Woo. up this show. So before we all wrap up, let's talk about Wednesday and let's talk about Chelsea. You mentioned N'Golo Kante. Of course, he's out with COVID. That is so, first of all, uh, our thoughts with him. I hope, we, hope he recuperates and, uh, and he gets better. But that's just from a playing perspective, that's just massive. A massive loss.
2: Huge. A huge loss. He is such a great player. Just... Pulling the strings. I mean, you can't even call him an unsung hero. Everyone knows what he does for the team. And that's massive. And the thing that worries me more than anything, to be honest, is when a player goes down with COVID, it's usually followed by another player going down with COVID and another player going down with COVID. And you know, we've already got Reese James has taken a knock. We've got, you know, Pulisic's still got his ankle injury. Jorginho's carrying a bit of a knock as well, Mason Mount. So we just don't know whether we're gonna have a very full strength team. You know, as I said earlier, maybe Luke Rubin Loftus' cheek, it gives him an opportunity in the midfield. So I'd probably go. Uh, Jorginho, Kovacic, Ruben Loftus-Cheek. But, you know, I think it's, um, it's a difficult one. And, and it was interesting that Tuchel was asked about it. And he said he doesn't even know which of his players have had vaccines or not. Wow. I mean, I don't know whether he's just keeping that to himself. I mean, he's very diplomatic. Even, you know, when Alonso decided not to take the knee, he mm. basically said, well, you know, maybe it's an opportunity for the conversation to continue about discrimination because, because he's not taking it. People are still talking about it. He's very, he's so good. Oh, he's a very and
0: smart man. He knows exactly he? how, yeah, he is. And yeah.
2: when I came to the club, I heard that he could be a little bit difficult at times. And I've, I've literally interviewed him pretty much every week. And I've been waiting for this kind of like hairdryer treatment that I've had from every other manager. Um, and he's just, he's been good as gold. Even after that loss to Manchester City, he was very measured. He said, you know, the team lacked a bit of something. And and I think it was actually a very good wake up call. It was good timing ahead of this Juventus game. Um, Juventus no Dybala and no Morata either, because they've got injury problems themselves. So I think it'll be really interesting. But I mean, I, 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 I don't think that I could be too discouraged about that game against um, against Manchester City. I think Chelsea did play poorly. And sometimes you just have a really bad day in the office, uh, which they had. They weren't able to play their game. And right. I think that, you know, as Rudiger said, they lacked a bit of personality. And I think they're going to start fighting for each other and kind of know exactly what they need for this Champions League game and how important it is.
0: Yeah, absolutely right. I think that especially when you're a team like Chelsea, the moment you have a performance that didn't go your way, you usually react. And I was thinking specifically when you played Liverpool with 10 men and, you know, you did your thing and you adapted. And I feel that the same type of adaptation will happen against the Juventus side, who, by the way, they feel confident at home, obviously, but they're not the finished product. And obviously, Cristiano Ronaldo leaving is a major major loss. Is there anything else, Ali Banda, that you're looking forward to tomorrow in the Champions League? Uh, Jimmy mentioned Manchester United, maybe yeah. Real. Any other games that you're looking at specifically? or Are you just going to be laser focused on your blues?
2: <laughs> Do you know, I've actually booked myself on the radio. I keep doing this by accident. <laughs> oh, no, during I keep the game. having radio appearances during the game. Well, it's usually around, it starts around 20 past nine. So it's like in the dying moments of the game where I should okay. be like getting ready to celebrate but I always but the, the radio appearance is to talk about the game so I'll be you know I'll be watching all of them I usually watch one game mainly and then sort of do a little bit of flicking around but I'm definitely interested in Manchester United actually I've watched them a lot as I said this season um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer you know he's a, he's a manager who's been under so much pressure and I think he deserves a bit of success because I actually think it's almost like last chance saloon even though the owners always say they've got his back no, no matter what I think Manchester United the kind of team they, they've got to win something major this season for him to be in the job in my opinion yeah. um, and I think it's you know they've got everything available you know now that they've got Varane now that they've got Ronaldo like they've got Jade and Sancho they've, they've really added in all the right areas I think they have what it takes to have a successful season but let's just see how they get on um, and obviously playing Real is a big one because they beat them in the Europa League final
0: Absolutely correct. And that's Alison Bender. By the way, before she goes, she said, we don't have to talk about it, but I want to talk about it. Uh, Part of a book called Football She Wrote, an anthology of women's writing on the game, by the way. And it's just some brilliant, unique collections of 20 women's voices on the game they love. And Alison, you're part of it. How great is this? How excited are you about this book?
2: Well, I'm finally a published author, which is like crazy to say, because I've always been a presenter. I like doing a little bit of writing, but to actually have a book and it was like, I don't have it here to show you, but it was really lovely when it arrived in the post, that feeling of just like it dropping through your letterbox and me kind of going, oh my gosh. This is my book. There's my name, and it's really it's really cute little stories actually from lots of different writers, not just me. I'm one of many. I'm one of twenty, um, but I write about my time at Real Madrid. So if you're interested in reading it, it's called Football. She wrote, and it's all about how I went to Madrid with no Spanish and I set up Real Madrid TV from scratch and it was such a ride so many great stories and one of my favorite stories is I went to Ronaldo's house and Roberto Carlos mixed me a cocktail and Rubinho told me how to samba and Baptista played the drum for me and it was like some crazy dream but I promise you it was real
0: it already <laughs> sounds so good. Ali, thank you so much. The book is called Football. She wrote an anthology. Uh, I just can't wait to read it. That story itself is incredible. But make sure, by the way, that you follow Alison Bender as well on social. And I'm looking at Ali Bender TV. Ali Bender
2: TV. yeah. There it is. And on you know Twitter. what I've been doing as well lately? I joined TikTok. I oh, really? Absolutely love it. Oh, yeah, it. that's so right. Your Jack Grealish one
0: is the most viewed one, right?
2: Yeah, like 8.5 million. But, it, oh you know, God. I thought it was for young people dancing and singing or whatever. But I have a very different personality over on TikTok. So if you're brave enough, come follow me on TikTok. But I'm the same name everywhere, Ali Bender TV. So come and I come. love it.
0: I love it. Ali Bender, you're always welcome here on KO Lasso, by the way. Thank you so much. Good luck with Chelsea's face, you. Juventus. And uh, it's really, it's been just so great to have you. So thank you so much, Ali. Thank you. Well, it's nice to actually, I've follow, been following you on social media
2: for ages, and we've had conversations and all the rest of it. But this is the first time we've actually spoken face to face. So it's been such a pleasure. Thank you.
0: I know, isn't digital? <laughs> I just love it. It's so great. But great. make no mistake about it, everybody. Ali will be back again, I promise. But she's a busy lady. So we just have to make sure that we fill in her calendar. But thank you, everybody, thank for you. taking part of Kegolaso Champions League. Thanks for watching and listening. Follow Kegolaso Podcast on Twitter, Kegolaso as well, Kegolaso Pod. That's on Twitter, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Stitcher. Kegolasso, YouTube.com forward slash Kegolasso, CBS Sports and your CBS Sports app. It's always great that you're part of this family. We have some more content, including tomorrow's Champions League recap, as well as some really fun things. Because guess what? FIFA 22 comes out on Friday, so we got some fun things with that, as well as oh my god, el Super Clasico bocca against river this weekend as well we'll have some good stuff there and a weekend preview ali bender myself jimmy conrad christina uncle jonathan johnson as well thank you so much have a great rest of your evening we will see you next time